Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. epistle lesson this morning is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and this is that classical spiritual warfare passage that is probably well known to most of us. This particular passage is the final exhortation and capstone of St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. There's just, I think, maybe three or so verses after this uh, farewell to so-and-so that concludes the epistle. I think that's something important to keep in mind. It's telling that St. Paul concludes such an extraordinary epistle with this exhortation about spiritual warfare. In the epistle to the Ephesians, he takes us to the very heights and depths and lengths and breadth of the divine mystery of God's love. He also gets very practical in this epistle for how this revelation should be manifest in our lives, how it's lived out in the community of the church and even in the home. And then he concludes all of this profound teaching with this exhortation on spiritual warfare. I think this is important because um, Paul seems to be concerned, and in other places as well, that we can experience all of this glory and this knowledge, and we can know many things and experience many things that God has done for us, And yet, there is a crafty enemy prowling about, seeking whom he may devour, seeking to disrupt and destroy, to steal and kill all that good deposit, that good life that we've received and been given. Perhaps Paul has in mind, say, Jesus' teaching that after the word has been sown, remember the birds of the air come and pluck up the seed? And Jesus gives the interpretation of that. He said that the birds are the demons. And so Paul, likewise, after he gives this great letter to the Ephesians, he warns them of spiritual warfare and of the ploy of the enemy. He also says in another place to the Corinthians uh, something that would fit very well at the beginning of this passage. He says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We could just plop that right down there in front of the passage that we have today for our epistle. We're reading this. He's informing us of this. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So Paul apparently feels it's important to warn the Ephesians of the dangers of evil spirits. He says, you must not be ignorant. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. It's important that we are on the alert, that we are aware, that we are savvy to his schemes, lest he comes along and steals the very pearl of truth that we have received. It was the 19th century French poet, Charles uh, Baudelaire, and not C.S. Lewis, by the way, who borrowed it from him, who said, quote, My dear brethren, do not ever forget 
when they praise the progress of the Enlightenment to you, that the most cunning trick of the devil is to convince you that he does not exist. <laughs> the most cunning trick of the devil is to convince you that he does not exist. That's a uniquely modern trick of the devil, actually. I mean, I think in antiquity, he probably that wasn't really a big deal because everybody knew he existed. But since the Enlightenment and since, you know, the age of science, and that's what this poet is referring to, especially the age of science and the Enlightenment, he's been using this trick quite effectively, that he doesn't exist. And it's a dangerous, dangerous trick. I had an Orthodox Christian tell me one time that they didn't believe there was a devil. <laughs> I, I, was, I didn't even know how to respond, actually. That person is now living in apostasy. It's a dangerous thing. It's dangerous to give the devil too much attention, too. <laughs> we know the trick now, though. We've learned it. We've been warned by prophets and poets. And yet, the failure to recognize that our battle is not against flesh and blood, which St. Paul tells us in this passage, but against principalities and powers, is still something that we often contend with, even those of us who know better. We still contend with this confusion about this. And so St. Paul's exhortation to the Ephesians in our lesson today is still very important for us. Now there's a very subtle nuance when it comes to being aware of the devil and his schemes. As I said, it can be just as dangerous to pay the devil too much attention as to pay him too little. Being savvy to the devil's schemes does not mean giving him attention or entering into conversation with him in your head. Being aware of his schemes, in most cases, means just the opposite. We are aware of them so that we can ignore them. <laughs> it means recognizing the thoughts and provocations that come from the enemy for what they are, from whom they come, and then turning aside you know, swatting them away as you would a fly, and ignoring them. That's a big part of spiritual warfare. Just like you would ignore hunger pains and the weakness of your flesh when you're fasting. Right? We fast. We fast so that we might rightly order our desires. That's why we fast. To rightly order our disordered loves, our disordered desires. Set things right. That's the whole point. To override fleshly hunger by ignoring it and turning our true desire to God. But this can only be effectively done if we realize what's going on in the process while we fast. But the whole point of fasting is to become hungry. That's funny. People come to me and they're like, Father, you know this fasting makes me hungry. <laughs> yes. They, well, it makes me weak. And irritable. Yes, that's the point. The point is to make yourself hungry and then to ignore the hunger. That's the whole process. There's the theology of fasting, you know, in 10 seconds. You need to make yourself hungry and then ignore it. And figure out what you're really hungry for. That's the whole point of it. But you need to understand what's going on. If you don't understand that simple fact, that you're trying to make yourself uncomfortable so that you can turn your heart towards your true desires, then 
all you'll do is just go get something to eat if you don't understand what you're doing. So you understand what you're doing. You understand the devil's schemes so that you can ignore him. Now the enemy is shrewd and powerful. He is dangerous and threatening, but only to those who are ignorant <laughs> or to those who are blatantly disobedient. To the, to the rest, to those who are aware and obedient to God, he has no more power than a marshmallow. And I don't know why I thought of a marshmallow, but that's what came to my mind. A marshmallow seems rather powerless, unless you've got a thing for marshmallows. St. <laughs> Evagrius says this. Now, St. Evagrius is a desert father, and he is speaking to monks in the desert. Now, when, when you hear this uh, quote from him, uh, you may think, well, Evagrius doesn't know what I go through. You have no idea what a vagrant These are the men that go out into the desert and literally face the demons face to face, physically, are attacked by the demons. Like nobody enters into the kind of battle and spiritual warfare that these entered into. And this is what Evagrius says, quote, you should not think at all of the fleeting serpent that plagues you and do not even consider him as anything and do not be afraid of him. He is nothing but a runaway slave who has lived badly and has escaped from his Lord. Do not give him any foothold until death. Our Lord has granted you to trample upon serpents and scorpions, and you are afraid of the voice of the demons while they howl? The dragon knows only how to threaten. So we are aware of the devil, but we are not afraid of the devil. We are aware of the devil so that we don't fall into his traps, into his deceptions, so that we can ignore the evil thoughts and turn our attention towards holy thoughts. Now I want to conclude with bringing our attention to one particular verse in our epistle, verse 12, where Paul says, again, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. This we do well to remember. Our problem and our fight, it's not against other people, other people who are made in the image of God. They are not our enemy. We are to be patient and kind to them. We are to love them. We are to try to help them when they are lost and acting out. And above all, we are to forgive them. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. That's who our fight and our struggle is against. Whatever you are going through, whatever internal, emotional, psychological, spiritual, physical struggle you are going through, whatever other you know, causes there may be, secondary causes, chemicals in your brain. That's fine. That's fine as a part of it. But that is secondary. Your struggle, whatever it is, if it's anger or pride or gluttony or drowsiness, if you come to our Acedia class, you'll know what I'm talking about. It is a struggle against the forces of wickedness, the prince of the power of the air. That's who it's a struggle against. And if you don't grasp this You'll be at a great disadvantage in your fight, in your spiritual fight 
of sanctification and holiness. The servant in our gospel lesson this morning in the parable, he received the abundance and the goodness of mercy of his Lord. An amazing gift of mercy and forgiveness wiped out his debt. And what did he do? He went out and treated his fellow servant as his enemy and tried to destroy him in his anger. Now that's a whole other message, but it is possible to receive God's love and mercy and not be changed by it. He, he gave in to spiritual forces of wickedness that were at work in his heart and his mind. That's what provoked him to do that. It was a spiritual force and power that he gave place to and followed in his action of trying to destroy his fellow servants. But his enemy was not his fellow servants. It was the evil spirits. Remember the passage I just quoted to you from 2 Corinthians about not being ignorant of the devil's schemes? I want to close with this. I want to give you the context of that passage from 2 Corinthians. Paul says, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. This is a particular person in the church there at Corinth. For to this end I also wrote that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. In the context of this passage, it's explicitly clear that Paul understands the spiritual warfare, the devices and schemes of the enemy in this particular case to be unforgiveness towards a parishioner. That's spiritual warfare. <laughs> you know, the devil doesn't come at us, you know, in fatigues and, you know, whatever we might imagine. He comes at us with an evil thought. He comes at us with a thought of bitterness, with unforgiveness, with any of the sinful passions, like bees buzzing around us. That's how he comes at us. And we need to recognize that when we are receiving an onslaught of these things, that we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. And we have to respond as St. Paul teaches us in our lesson today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.